Sermons 34 and 35, Commentary in the Gospel of Luke, Sermons 27 through 38, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by R. Payne Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sermon 34, 6, 46 through 49. But why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Every one that cometh unto me, and heareth my words, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug and made it deep, and laid a foundation upon the rock, and when there was a flood, the river beat against that house, and could not shake it, because it was well built. But he that hath heard, and not done, is like a man who built a house upon the earth without foundation, against which the river beat, and that moment it fell, and the fall of that house was great. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, for so the wise Paul writeth. For both the name of lordship and also the reality are appropriate solely to that nature which transcends all and is supreme, even that which is divine and to be worshipped as possessing and governing all things. For so Paul again somewhere says of him, For even if there be gods many and lords many in heaven or in earth, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom is all, and we by him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom is all, and we by him. As therefore we acknowledge God the Word alone, who reigneth with God the Father, as by nature and verily Lord, we accordingly give this name to him. But why, he asks, call ye me indeed Lord, but do not the things which I say? For if he possess no real authority, nor glory of lordship, but on the contrary it is conferred upon him from without, and bestowed by favor, do not offer him thy obedience. Refuse his service, consent not to be subject unto him. But if he be verily, and in its precise meaning lord, and the whole nature of things created bow beneath his scepter, and as a thing set under the feet of its lord, then pay what is due. Accept the yoke, and as being due, offer him thy obedience, that thou mayest not hear him blaming thee in words spoken by one of the holy prophets to them of old time. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his lord. If I then am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a Lord, where is my fear? saith the Lord Almighty. For come, and let us see by what takes place among us the blame to which we become liable by disobedience. We are ourselves accustomed to require of our servants obedience mingled with fear, and when they plan rebellion and throw off the yoke of servitude, we make them humble by bonds and tortures and the scourge. When, therefore, we, who are of earth, and by nature the brethren of those who are bowed beneath the yoke, cannot tolerate them when rebellious, how will God endure it? He whom, 
principalities, thrones, and lordships worship, in whose presence the high exalted seraphs stand, readily rendering their service. For the divine David somewhere says of them in the Psalms, Bless the Lord, all ye his angels, who hearken to the voice of his words. Bless the Lord, all ye his host, his ministers who do all of them his pleasure. It is dangerous, therefore, and merits final condemnation to be unwilling to submit to Christ the Almighty. But those who prize his service shall receive the most excellent blessings. For he has said by one of the holy prophets to those who run away from his yoke and will not submit to be set under his authority, Behold, they that serve me shall eat, but ye shall suffer hunger. Behold, they that serve me shall drink, but ye shall suffer thirst. Behold, they that serve me shall exult, but ye shall mourn. Behold, they that obey me shall be merry with joy. But ye shall cry out for the grief of your heart, and howl for contrition of your spirit. Thou seest that the crown of those who bear the yoke of servitude is very beautiful, worthy of being acquired and precious, while severe and manifold condemnation is decreed against the rest. And yet again in another place thou mayest see that the true servant is adorned with surpassing honor, while the disobedient and careless is rejected with disgrace, or rather is banished to the outer darkness. For they who received the talents, and doubled for the owner what had been given them, were honored by him with praises. For he said to each one of them, O good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will set thee over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. But him who hid in the ground what had been given him, not as loving service and indolent, he condemned to severe and inevitable punishment. Elsewhere, too, he has said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord shall set over his household to give them meat at its season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord shall come and find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he will set him over all that he hath. Those, therefore, who keep our Saviour's will are made glorious and worthy of emulation, and adorned with praises for their fidelity. Yea, moreover, they have a name given them, for he has said again of them in a certain place, On them that serve me there shall be called a new name, even that which is blessed upon earth. And there is yet another point which I think must be added to what has been already said, namely, that by being willing to submit to our Saviour's words and serve Him, we shall gain in return the honour of freedom by His decree. For He said to those that believe in Him, If ye abide in my word, ye are truly my disciples, and ye shall acknowledge the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We gain, therefore, the glory of freedom by subjection, that is, by servitude under him. 
This makes us sons and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, of which he again shall be thy proof, saying, that every one that doeth sin is the servant of sin. But the servant abideth not in the house for ever. If therefore the Son make you free, ye are really free. The being willing, therefore, to serve is that which invites us to freedom, and the honor which is the especial prerogative of sons, but disobedience humbles us to a base and ignominious servitude, if it be true, as true certainly it is, that every one that doeth sin is the servant of sin. But yes, says someone, obedience unto Christ's service is a most excellent thing, and highly to be appreciated. But it is by no means an easy matter, for there is much that stands in the way, and is able to exhaust our zeal. Yes, so say I too. For, first of all, Satan resists whatever is excellent. And the flesh, in its fondness for pleasure, strives against the spirit. For they are contrary one to the other, according to the expression of the wise Paul. And the law of sin that is in the members savagely and very bitterly makes opposition. For I know that Paul, who was instructed in the law, excellently discusses these questions. For he said, For I rejoice in the law of God in the inner man. But I see another law, warring against the law of the mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin that is in my members. And again, I therefore in my mind serve indeed the law of God, but in my flesh the law of sin. And besides this, there is a certain powerful inclination of the mind of man, which makes the will wander after pleasures, and engenders the delights of worldly lusts, and leads it away from the wish to labor in the cause of virtue. Shall we therefore on this account refuse our service? Is he ever seen to command aught that is impossible, or that cannot be done? Does he demand of us anything that exceeds the limits of our nature? And who would venture to say this? For certainly he adapts to our minds whatever is commanded. When, therefore, thou tellest me of the difficulty of obedience, I tell thee also, do those things that are great and excellent come of themselves? Or do those who seek to win them succeed without toil? Or, on the contrary, are they attained to by earnestness and labors? Who are the men that in the conflicts of the palestra are accustomed to win the crown? Is it those who have entirely devoted themselves to skill in the art of wrestling, and have gone through bitter toils? for they endure all things, according to the expression of St. Paul. Or, on the contrary, is it the indolent and luxurious, and those entirely unacquainted with what is suitable for athletes? Who of those that till the ground have their threshing floor full of sheaves? Is it such as neglect plowing, and will not undertake the severe toil of the mattock? Or, on the contrary, 
is it the diligent and industrious and such as apply themselves to the labors necessary for ensuring a prolific crop the answer is known even if no one speak it that it is with those who are willing to labor and not with those whose want it is to be at ease that a life of happiness is to be found and nothing wanting for a tranquil existence the psalmist also bears witness in a passage where he makes mention of the tillers of the ground as an exemplification of something else they went out and that with tears carrying their seed but they shall surely come with joy bringing their sheaves joy therefore is the fruit of labor moreover the lord himself somewhere quickens us for the love of exertion in every praiseworthy pursuit by saying enter at the straight gate because narrow is the gate and straight the way that leadeth unto life but broad and wide is that which leadeth down those that run thereon unto destruction observe therefore that the end of that straight path leadeth unto life while the easy descent of the broadway sends men to the flame and never-ending torments if therefore we call christ the saviour of us all lord let us do the things which he says for he teaches us himself what the benefit is of our being willing to do that which is commanded and what the loss of our refusing to obey for he says every one that heareth my words and doeth them is like a man who builds a house and firmly places its foundations upon the rock while he who does not obey is also like a man building a house but who has taken no care for its stability for he who is obedient and tractable holds a thoroughly firm position in everything that is honorable and good by reason of his being not so much a hearer of the law as a doer of its works he resembles therefore a house firmly settled and having a foundation that cannot be shaken so that even though temptations press upon him and the savageness of the passions that dwell within us assail him like some winter torrent or a water flood he will sustain no serious loss but he who merely inclines his ear to what christ saith but stores nothing up in his mind nor performs anything that is commanded he on the other hand is like a house just ready to fall for he will be led away at once into things unseemly whenever pleasure allures him and leads him into the pitfalls of sin the service therefore of christ invites us as we affirm unto every blessing and if we will blamelessly fulfil it christ will crown us with his grace by whom and with whom to god the father be praise and dominion with the holy ghost for ever and ever amen sermon thirty five seven one through ten and when he had ended all his words in the hearing of the people he entered into capernaum and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and near to die 
and when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him elders of the Jews, beseeching him to come and save his servant. And when they came unto Jesus, they besought him earnestly, saying, That he is worthy that thou shouldest grant this unto him. For he loveth our nation, and hath also built us himself a synagogue. And Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far distant from the house, the centurion sent his friends unto him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not sufficient that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Therefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But speak only with a word, and my child will be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say to this one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned himself, and said to the multitude that followed him, I say unto you, that I have not found so great faith even in Israel. And when they who had been sent returned unto the house, they found the servant whole. The wise evangelist filleth our mind with sacred lessons, and endeavors to throw abundant light upon whatever makes our faith assured for this is the object of his tidings concerning Christ. Very appropriately, therefore, he introduces him as at one time teaching the holy apostles things superior to the service enacted in the law, and pointing out to them a path new and untrodden by them of old time of the conversation that becometh saints and at another he very beautifully displays to us the manifestation of a godlike power, in order that in every way it may be known that the only begotten word of the Father is very God, even though he became flesh, that is, man, and produces everything by the word of his power as is proved unto us by the examination of what is written concerning him. When, then, so to speak, he had satiated the holy apostles with the most perfect doctrines, and had set before them a banquet of evangelical commands, and had mingled the wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and very clearly told them the means by which they would become triumphant and praiseworthy, he goes down to Capernaum. And there also he works a great and wonderful deed, worthy of the greatness of his majesty. There a glorious theatre was moved with astonishment, in which angels and men were spectators. For Israel is rebuked, and is dull of understanding, and unready for faith. While the multitude of the heathen, in mind at least, is ready thoroughly both to understand and believe, so that Christ is seen by just decree rejecting his servant Israel, while he accepts and honors and crowns by his grace those who of old served the creature apart from the Creator, who were in gloom and darkness, and without the knowledge of God, 
and had bowed the neck of their slavish mind to the wickedness of demons. What, then, was that which was accomplished, or what was the miracle? There was a pious man, distinguished for the excellence of his conduct, and the commander of a body of soldiers, who was a fellow inhabitant with the people of Capernaum. A faithful servant of his, as it chanced, fell sick, and, so to speak, had already reached the gates of death, and to all appearance was now at his last gasp. And he was dear to him, so that he was pierced with anguish. What remedy, then, can he find for what has happened, or what aid can he procure for him who is lying ill? He heard, it says, the things of Jesus, and so he sends unto him, asking of him manifestly, as of God, things that exceed the nature and power of man. For his request was, that one who was laid prostrate in the last stage of sickness might be delivered from the bands of death. And whence, then, did he know Jesus, since he was not as yet of the number of those who believed on him? For hitherto he had been one of the mass wandering in error. He heard, it says, the things concerning him, and since certainly he had never heard his personal instruction, nor seen any of his miracles, nor had met with the writings of Moses, nor searched the divine scriptures, he could only have attained to faith in him from simple rumors and hearsays. But as being fully assured that by the mere act of his will he could accomplish his request, he sends as supplicants in his behalf the principal men of the Jews, and these were the elders. Upon their arrival they offer their request, saying, That he is worthy that thou shouldest grant this unto him. O marvelous act! They who slandered Christ's glory request him to work a miracle. Those who refuse to believe in him ask him to display before men who had not yet believed such acts as lead unto faith. Tell me in what character dost thou approach with thy request. Dost thou know and believe that he is able to perform things that are the prerogative of God? Art thou fully convinced that it belongs solely to the supreme substance, who is above all, to be able to make alive, and to deliver men from the snares of death? If so, how then didst thou say, when thou sawest Jesus working miracles, This man casteth not out devils, but by Beelzebub, prince of the devils? And when that man who had been blind from his mother's womb was wonderfully healed, and gained an unwanted light, thou advisest him, saying, Give God the glory, we know that this man is a sinner. Dost thou then ask this sinner, as thou callest him, to perform an act of deity? Is not this madness and sheer stupidity? Are not those who hitherto had not believed far better than those who had been taught by the law and the prophets? Wouldst thou see the fact that such is the case and such only? Observe what follows. 
The Savior had now set out upon his way to restore the sick man. But the centurion sent unto him, saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, but speak with a word, and my child will be healed. Consider, then, that these elders of the Jews begged Jesus to go to the house of him who requested his aid, as not being able in any other way to raise him up who was lying ill, except by going to his side whereas the other believed that he could do it even at a distance, and affected by the inclination of his will. He asked for the saving word, the loving assent, the almighty utterance, and justly therefore did he win a sentence of surpassing worth. For Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that not even in Israel have I found so great faith? The proof, then, and demonstration follows closely and immediately from what we have now said. Finally, he delivered that same hour from his sickness, him who a little before had been the prey of death. For he who willed the undoing of what had happened was God. As I said then at the beginning of this discourse, by God's holy decree Israel fell from his relationship unto him, and in his stead the heathen were called and admitted, as having a heart better prepared for that faith in him, which justly is required. And of this the divine psalmist shall again be our proof, where he says concerning them, At one time, Thou hast inclined thine ear because of the preparation of their heart. And at another, many were their infirmities, and afterwards they went quickly. For many indeed were the offenses laid to their charge, to which he gently gives the names of infirmities. For they were wandering in error, and guilty of abominable crimes, not merely in one way, but in many. But they went quickly to the faith, that is, they were not slow in accepting the commands of Christ, but very readily embraced the faith. For that they were to be caught in Christ's net, he teacheth thee where he saith by one of the holy prophets, For this wait for me, saith the Lord, until the day of my rising up to bear witness because my judgment is for the congregations of the heathen. For when Christ rose from the dead, he bestowed on those that were in error that judgment which is for their happiness and salvation. For he even commanded the holy disciples, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and teaching them to observe all those things that I have commanded you. By the holy decree, therefore, and just sentence of our common Saviour Christ, the heathen were honoured, but Israel we see rejected from his love and affection. For what do we find the chief shepherd of all saying to them by one of the holy prophets? And I have declared, he says, 
that I will not feed you, and that which is dying shall die, and that which is fainting shall faint, and those that are left shall devour every one the flesh of his neighbor. And again, God hath rejected them, because they have not heard him, and they shall be wanderers among the heathen. And again by the voice of the prophet Ezekiel, Thus saith my Lord, the Lord, that I will drive them among the heathen, and disperse them over the whole earth. Take the actual result of facts for your persuasion and faith in what is here said. For they are vagabonds and strangers in every land and city, neither preserving in its purity the worship enjoined by the law, nor submitting to accept the gloriousness of the excellency of the gospel life. While we, who have received the faith, are fellow citizens with the saints, and called the sons of the Jerusalem that is above, in heaven, by the grace of God which crowneth us. And him we affirm to be the completion of the law and the prophets. We confess his glory. We admire him as he worketh miracles. By whom and with whom, to God the Father, be praise and dominion with the Holy Ghost, for ever and ever. Amen. End of Sermon 35